Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. Well, I'm delighted uh, to be joined now uh, by uh, Steve Nimmo. Steve is a, is a funeral director. And Steve, I guess handling death is something that you're doing uh, every day of, of the week. Would you say that you know, us Brits are, are good at, at handling the whole subject of death, talking about it, planning for it, and so on? Um, morning. Yeah, no, I I, I, I have the, the privilege of working around the world with death, and I think probably the British are among the worst um, when it comes to, to discussing anything to do with death. It's uh, it's still one of those kind of taboo subjects that we uh, that we have to confront uh, normally when we're actually having to confront it, rather than you know in sort of preparation or planning for it. So why do you think that is? Why do you think we Brits are, are not are not good at, at at even talking about the subject? Mm. I think there's a I think there's an element of the sort of stiff upper lip. You know, the British are meant to be uh, terribly stoic and, and and so on. But I think there's also an aspect of um, this sense of uh, not wanting to tempt fate, and and that's something we come across an awful lot by by talking about something. Uh, suddenly, you know, we have the, we almost have this innate power to make it happen. Um, and and I, and I certainly, you know, I'm certainly not a fatalist by any means, but I'm I'm one of these people that happens to believe that we've all got a predestined date upon which we are going to die. Uh, that's set, that's out there already, and that date will come whenever it comes. And so by talking about it, actually, you, you don't have the, the power to change that date, uh, you know, that's set. Um, but I think there is that sense of, you know, no, no, let's not talk about that because, you know, it's a... Uh, it's uh, it, it might just tempt fate, and that seems to be one of the big the big challenges that we come across as funeral directors. And of course, the role of funeral directors is all important. I mean, I often say to people that uh, you know, because uh, obviously when somebody passes away, uh, that people's minds can be confused. Uh, you know, obviously the grief can take over, and particularly if they haven't planned for it, everything can be at sixes and sevens. But one of the things I say to folk is, well, look. look, look don't worry, because actually the, your funeral director uh, will, will guide your guide you and hold your hand through this process and do a lot of things on on, on your behalf. Am I giving the right sort of advice, Steve? Totally, totally. I think actually we underestimate the role of the funeral director and, and the power that the funeral director has uh, for good and bad. And and by that I mean, uh, you know, uh, when people are bereaved, obviously their minds are in different places. They're not often thinking as they would normally. If it's a sudden death, especially, of course, um, and we as funeral directors, you know, come in and in many cases there will be a sense of don't worry, we'll take care of it all. It'll all be fine. You know, we're going to just take it all over from you and, and off we go. Well, actually, as a funeral director, that's not not the role that I take. The role that I take is to become a facilitator of wishes. Um, and that is to sit down with a family and say, right, talk to me about what it is that you would like. Talk to me about what it is that your loved one would have wanted. Um, and then it's for us to make sure that we can make those things happen. And so, uh, you know, the role of the funeral director actually is, is a very, very important one. And I think, I think, to be honest, very often underestimated. Um, I mean, I've been a funeral director for coming up to 25 years now, and, and the role has changed significantly in that time. Um, but if you look at now in particular with the coronavirus outbreak and so on, um, you know, we are among those frontline workers, but I've kind of referred to us as the unfashionable frontline worker, the ones that nobody really wants to talk about too much, because, of course, we're seen as a negative. We're seen as we're almost seen as failure, um, you know, when somebody dies of in this particular instance. So so that can be challenging. But but it's such an important role that we have the opportunity and, and the privilege to sit down with a family who've lost a loved one. And, and maybe, just maybe, be able to make something just a bit better um, by putting in place wishes that therefore, 
you know, they have the chance to honour their loved one in the way they want to. And I suppose also that you're get, able to give advice because you're handling death each and every day. There's because there's yeah. a whole list of things to do, isn't there? When when somebody passes away, and uh, mm. and people can get mm. very very confused about that. But of course, you guys, because you you're that is the profession that you're in. I guess that you're also mm. becoming a. a, a chief advisor at, 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 at a very difficult and sad time for a family yeah and you become almost a friend and and if you do the job well if you look after families well you know we, we make friends through this process because obviously those people are, are responsive to the fact that we may have made a difference in their lives um but there's always going to be kind of two aspects to this there's i always refer to it in the sort of the what i want to know and the what i need to know and by that, I mean, um, what do I actually need to do legally? Um, you know, in terms of I need to register the death and I need to, you know, maybe appoint a solicitor or sort out the, the affairs of the person, finances and so on. And those are important things. But actually, what's, what's more important in that immediacy of, of the moment is that families have the opportunity to carve out a service which is appropriate to themselves and the, per- the person that's died. Um, I mean, I lost my father last year, and you can imagine sort of as a funeral director losing a parent. You know, that has a slightly different um, dynamic. But but you know, we were in, we were able to put together a service for dad that was very very reflective of him, um, and we tried to apply those same methods and rules to every family we look after. Um, who was this person? What made them special? And what is it that you would like to reflect on their lives? And it doesn't matter how old the person was, whether they were very young or very old, they've still lived a life. And it's important that we're able to reflect that. And that actually does underline the importance of what Jonathan was saying earlier on, that we, we think now, we plan as best as we can and, and make sure that we know what our loved one would have wanted in terms of, of, their, mm. of their farewell to us. Mm. I think so. And I think it's interesting. Jonathan and I, as you know, work very closely together. As you know, he is a celebrant, me as a funeral director, and it's always a privilege to work with him because he's as passionate as I am about the kind of services we can put together for people. But no, you're right. And I think there is great comfort from knowing you're doing the right thing. And um, do you know how many times I sit down with a family and they'll say to me, oh, dad was ill for two years and, you know, it's such a release for him. Um, You know, whatever their belief system may be, he's now with God or, or whatever that may be. And, you know, it's such a relief. And I'll say, okay, so let's talk about what dad's wishes were. And then you just get this blank look. Mm. And they look at you as if, oh, well, no, he, he wouldn't talk about it. Mm. And I think there's, there's two kind of rules that's kind of sort of thoughts in that is, would he not talk about it or would you not listen? I think that's a really interesting area of, of the sort of work we do is how much of it is the person, let's say, in the hospital bed who just simply won't talk? And how much of it is about the family, you know, not wanting to acknowledge that death may be near? And so, no, no, we can talk about that tomorrow, you know, leave it for another day. And so what we try to do is to is to put across to families. And actually, we do quite a lot of work with families who, who come to us in advance of the death. Um, someone's in a hospice or a nursing home or whatever. Um, and just give them that opportunity, that space to sit down and just talk. And through talking and giving them that space and time, it's amazing how much they will actually divulge to you about what it is they want. And that might be, I, I work with people that are dying, and, and as I say, and their families. Give those people the space to talk, and they will talk. And so I think, and then the, 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 it's, it, the, the, the sense of, of well-being that that brings to families when they're finally putting those arrangements in place, that they know they're doing what their loved one would have wanted, is a massive part of the grieving process for them.
walking away from something knowing you did the right thing is a, is a huge thing. Walking away saying, did we do the right thing? Was, was that okay? Would it, is it what he would have wanted? Question marks are left, and that can be very challenging in the grief process. Well, Stephen, thank you very much for giving us uh, uh, those tips. I mean, obviously, we're living in unprecedented times. You said that you were working internationally. Are you involved mm-hmm. in, in, in the broader scale of, 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 of having to, to, to lay to rest so many people through this terrible mm-hmm. time? Yeah, we are, and we're sort of. We've been very involved. We work a lot with, um, you know, um, some countries in the Middle East, which you can imagine has its own challenges. Mm. Um, and obviously, just just in the UK itself, you know, there are there are there are clusters of the country that are really struggling with with the numbers. And I think, you know, we're um, we've been able to uh, to assist in in a number of different ways on on that score. But it's 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 very challenging time. Do you know something, Blair? It's the the, the biggest challenge is how can we give families something significant in a time when so much is being taken away from them and i think that's you know i read reports in the press every day about you know i wasn't allowed to touch the coffin at the crematorium or you know the coffin was brought in the back of a van and not in a hearse or i wasn't allowed to you know go to the chapel of rest and just be with the coffin and you know be, be present in that space all of those things we need to address because there's a lot of things that are possible provided we actually have the imagination and the broad the sort of breadth of thinking to enable families to to respond positively when so much is being taken away from them at the moment. So, and again, Jonathan and I have done a lot of work already, and we continue to do so in, in ways we can allow families to to embrace something that will be still significant and memorable for them. So, challenging times, but then you know, I think provided we approach it in a positive way um, as funeral directors and open our minds and actually you know put in the work, then uh, there's no reason why we still can't give families uh, a significant something to remember in terms of their loved one. Jonathan, thank you so much for sharing and uh, we'll have to have you back and talk some more uh, on, on Friday's programme. But uh, stay, sa- stay safe and, and keep well and thank you for okay. all that you and your team are doing. Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio.